Hey, it's Casey Potts, and you've landed in Casey's Corner, a podcast to help us millennial moms overcome the overwhelm of everyday life with confidence, humor, and style. I want you to look at this show as your go-to resource, your virtual bestie, or your secret weapon to sanity. I might not have all the answers, but I'm searching for them just like you. Why don't we find them together? So get comfy and get curious. This is Casey's Corner. Hey everyone, welcome to Casey's Corner. Today's episode is one for the millennials, which I know I say that a lot, but I think that this is a topic that digs deep and we are taking a trip down memory lane, putting ourselves back at the grocery store, looking at the magazine covers that lined those aisles, right? When you're about to check out and looking at Self Magazine, Glamour, Cosmopolitan, We are looking not only at the way these magazine headlines skewed our perception as far as what we should or shouldn't be doing, how we should or shouldn't be nourishing our bodies, but really how they were really carving neural pathways of the way we wanted to be perceived. My guest is Alana Vandersloos, and she is a intuitive eating counselor. She works very closely with clients to help them break that diet culture cycle. And if you've been around the show long enough, you know that I am doing that work, trying to break myself away from diet culture and really looking for a way to have a strong relationship with food, have an appreciation for my body and the way that it looks on any given day. And we talk about that spectrum of what happy looks like when it comes to accepting your body and your weight and really just how this messaging was put in our face and we didn't realize how heavily or how quickly we were absorbing it. So let's go ahead and welcome Alana. Alana, this is going to be a fun episode. Are you ready? I'm very ready to just debunk some of this crap. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So for those of you who might not know Alana, uh, we actually have another episode that we did where she kind of got to introduce herself. So if you feel the need after this episode, either pause now or go after and listen to our previous chat, really all about kind of uh, body issues, intuitive eating, and everything that she does kind of with one-on-one with her clients. Uh, do you want to give like a quick little flyover of, as far as what you do and what makes you the the prime authority to talk about this topic? Sure. Sure. So my name is Alana Vandersloos. I'm a certified intuitive eating counselor. I'm an eating disorder survivor, and I'm the founder of Freedom with Food and Fitness, where I help both women and men now uh, heal their relationship with food, weight, and their body and become their healthiest, most confident selves without having to go on the diet. So that's, that's the elevator pitch. I love it. No, that's great. That's and you know we talk a lot about uh, ditching diet culture in all of my episodes. Really, I feel like there's some way that we engrave that a little bit and intertwine that into each episode that I do. But I think it's because it's a big part of who I am. It's also a big part of the way millennials were bred and born and like fed this information. And that's really what we're going to talk about today. We uh, Alana and I have looked at a couple. the magazine covers of the early 2000s where they are just, did it not make you cringe when we started looking at these? It really did. And I never saw it 
back in the day when I was younger reading those magazines, I was, I would read all of those magazines, Cosmo and self and prevention and health and all these. And I didn't realize the, the implicit messaging that I was being given and the thoughts and beliefs that I was forming because of even just the covers of the magazines. Yes. I mean, that's the thing, right? Is that let's, let's break it down into two parts, right? You have the images that we're seeing, which we very quickly learned the Photoshop hacks of all of these covers. And then really what I don't think I was understanding, like, that's what I thought when I thought what was being the most impressionable to me were these covers of the celebrities that have flawless skin, tiny waist, perfect skin all over their, you know, their arms, no bumps on your arms, what? No cellulite, what? All that kind of stuff. And really, as I dove into it, the covers, the messaging on it was, I was so oblivious. And I think a lot of us were so oblivious because it was the norm. Yes. And it seems so innocent on the outside. It's like, here are some ways to better yourself. But the, the, the implicit messaging is so much more insidious than that. So, so I'm here to kind of break it down because I still think even today, some people don't, don't really understand those, those underlying messages. No, exactly. And, and here's what we're going to do, because I know that this is going to be difficult for those of you who might solely be listening. Um, if you're listening on Spotify, there will be a video component. You guys can swipe up and watch it from there. But uh, on Instagram, I will post along with a clip from this show, all the covers as well. So you can go through and kind of see what we're talking about. But um, do you have an order you want to go in, Alana? Or are we just going to dive into the cringe um, worthy? I do not have an order. Yeah. I do not have an order and I even have, I just took like brief notes on, on them all just in case I forget to say something because there's so much I want to say about these and none of it is good. (laughs) Right. Oh, I know. Um, so to give you guys a little bit of background too, I went through and looked at the different, uh, just a Google search for fashion magazines and, um, self glamour Cosmo 17, women's health. Like I looked at all these different covers, right? And thank goodness for Google image search, because there's plenty of those out there. And I have to say that self magazine was the most cringeworthy. I think that's where the majority of the ones we're going to talk about today come from too. Yeah. Yep. I, th- I think they all come from self. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to dig into the one that I vividly remember this cover. And it's because I had such a girl crush on Eva Longoria, like Desperate Housewives. I wanted to be Gabrielle Solis. And, you know, she just was so (laughs) gorgeous and glamorous. Um, And she still is. Trust me, man, I I know she's, I think, in her 50s, right? And she just still looks absolutely amazing. Um, But look at this cover. Okay, so I'm going to do, let's go away from the ring light. We'll try to avoid it. Um, I will do my best to to, uh, verbally depict what we're looking at here. So Eva Longoria in these um, super, this is, I feel like, one testament to the time, too. How tan is she? I know. Right. I know. So <laughs> I feel like everyone looks at me now and they're like, wow, you're so tan. Like it's out of the norm. And I feel like you had to have this super bronzy, almost orangey tan in the early 2000s. And I'm looking, this is from February, 2008. Okay. So actually it doesn't feel like it's that long ago. I'm sure if you talk to a Gen 
Zier, they would be like, oh my gosh, I wasn't even born yet. But um, Eva Longoria in low rise, super low rise, white jeans, a white tank top with the metal loop attaching the the straps, if you can remember those. The long, uh, what was this? Van Cleef, right? I think the necklace, that like fleur long necklace. This is such a early 2000s vibe that she has. And she looks gorgeous. Okay. The different headlines on here is, let's see, simplify your slim down, an easy workout that tightens everything. Six healthy recipes you'll use again and again. Okay. Flattering jeans, even for women who don't like to wear jeans. Um, look great. Love your weight. Get the body you want. Step one, appreciate the body you have. That seems a little not so true to what's going to be inside. Right. Um, and feel 100% healthier in one month. All right, Alana, dive in. What stood out to you? Right. So what stood out to me the most was what you kind of just hinted at was the difference between um, the, you know, look great at, you know, your weight and it's like embrace yourself, whatever. But then it's also like, I'm trying to get it up. Yeah. Look great. Love your weight. Get the body you want. Step one, appreciate the body you have. That sounds great. I actually like that headline, but juxtaposed with slim down, tighten everything. You need to wear flattering jeans. And I don't take as much um, of an issue with the word flattering. Some people in the intuitive eating space feel like, you know, that that is to say you're trying to find things to make yourself look slimmer. I think flattering can just be anything that you feel comfortable and confident in, but that's another conversation for another day. Um, and then under the, the Eva Longoria headline, it's look hot strategies. It's this whole idea that like, yes, we want to feel confident, but looking hot, it's almost like that narrative of our, our bodies are ornaments to be looked at by the male gaze. And that's not really the best message that we want to be sending out about what the purpose of our bodies is. Right. Yeah, totally. I think, I mean, for me, the, the irony is exactly to your point, the simplify your slim down being the top messaging next to her face. Right. And then when you get down, look great, love your weight, super big, and then tiny, step one, appreciate the body you have. So if you already are appreciating the body that you have, why do we need to simplify our slim down? (laughs) Right. Why do we need to slim down and tighten anything in the first place? And I even have a little bit of an issue with what's right above this uh, self-title. It says, feel 100% healthier in one month. It's almost like they're saying that health is a final destination. And once you get there, you're always healthy forever and ever. Instead of having it be something that is consistent and sustainable. It's it's like crash dieting. It's like we're going to crash get healthy. And it's not something that's going to be sustainable. Oh, that's so true. Is there anything else on that cover before we go into the next one that you wanted to point out? Because, I mean... Honestly, I look at this cover and I feel um, not only am I trying to fit, like point out, oh, where's where's that Photoshop? Because clearly there's a very obvious curvature around her hip, like her arm is tucked back a little bit. And these are all the hacks and trips that, tricks that we now know of because Photoshop got exposed, right? In the, we'll say what, maybe like 10-ish years ago. So 
What else in here stands out to you other than her freaking gorgeous hair? I've always, whenever I go to the hairdresser, I always bring a picture of Eva Longoria, I swear, but likely that's even photoshopped. So what else stood out to you? Um, honestly, the only thing that stood out to me is the fact that out of the covers that you sent me, she was the only woman of color. She's Mexican American and everybody else is white. It's so it's, I, I think that is something to be said about um, the narrative that a, a lot of what is accepted is young, thin, pretty and white. So and, and I, I know a lot of people in the BIPOC community um, do feel that they're excluded a lot um, and it's getting better but it's not nearly where it should be. So when you sent me the five different covers, it just it just really stood out to me that she was the only one that was a woman of color. Yeah, that's so true. That's very, and of course, this is just such a small sampling, but I don't think that that's lost on this small sampling. <laughs> well, it's funny. Yeah, like you said, like you, you picked a randomized sampling and it's just funny that 20% of that sampling happened to be women of color. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Okay, um, let's go over to what happened to Jewel. Jewel just disappeared a little bit. She tried to do pop, and then I don't know. I wherever you are, Jewel. I hope you're doing well because you unfortunately got stuck with the a great body on January first. That you know, let's see, what is this one? This is December two thousand. So the you know, obviously going into the new year. So many things. We are looking at Jewel in a very nice purple, lavendery purple color. And every headline on this one kind of makes me cringe as well, because it says the first one, tiny, go ahead, enjoy the cookies and eggnog and still have now in big, a great body on January 1st. Do it with our holiday stain shape cards, page 61. Then let's see, stress season rescue, beauty reviewers, for skin and hair, okay, oh, sorry, beauty revivers for skin and hair. The year seven best fitness trends, try them. Sleep deprived, question mark. How to fake an eight hour night and get one for real. Okay, that's strange. Um, a butt and thigh maker, makeover move you will love. Fertility shocker. I made a year's salary selling my eggs. Oh man, this is so 2000s, I can't even deal. And then up in the tip top corner, do you live in a fat zone? Check the map. Wow. wow. That one made me cringe a lot. Uh, you know, and it's just, there are so many misconceptions out there about like what weight has to do with health. Everybody thinks that being thin means that you're healthy. And my experience, my personal experience will tell you the exact opposite because I, you know, an eating disorder. So at my thinnest, I was my least healthy mentally and physically, but saying like, do you live in a fat zone? It creates so much fat phobia and just this fear of being fat, fear of fat bodies, having them be less than that. You have to look at a freaking map to make sure that God, you know, heaven forbid you live in a fat zone. It's just what are you gonna really, do? really, really, <laughs> yeah, really like what? Okay. Where are the, are, are there thin zones? What does that even mean? I, it's just, it's, 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 that was insane for me. Paris, um, just go to Paris if you want to be in the thin zone, apparently. I, I mean, well, I, and, and I'm glad you mentioned that because they have a very, a much better outlook on food than we do. They eat butter and desserts and drink wine and they do so listening to their bodies. And that is why they are the way that they are. They're not dieting the way that we are. They're not, you know, killing themselves at the gym the way that we are. Right. But 
I think this is a good segue to because a couple of weeks ago you posted a reel that I found super interesting um, and totally made me pause and think because it was, um, you can jump in and correct me if I say this backwards, but it was basically the audio of, we always hear p- thin people be praised for, oh, you can eat whatever you want and never get fat. But you never hear that a fat person could be eating healthy and never get thin. Talk to me a little bit about that imbalance. Sure. You know what? I don't think people understand that they're, that 80% of your body size and shape is determined by genetics. And if you want to fight your genetics your whole life, that's cool. That's your prerogative. That's not what I'm going to do. And I think everybody thinks that they're like the natural weight set range. So the weight that is genetically encoded in your DNA is thin. And that's, that's not the case. Like everybody's weight set range is different. Some people are bigger, some people are smaller. Um, and it doesn't really matter what you, what you eat necessarily. Like you can see a person, a larger body who eats very healthily, but that is their weight set point. And that, that is what it is. And it's harder to wrap your head around that in a very fat phobic society because it's like what I'm just supposed to deal with the way that people perceive me. And that's where a lot of the mindset work of intuitive eating comes in is dealing with people who might have comments and creating boundaries around that type of stuff and self-worth strategies and exercises to separate our weight from our worth. Because a lot of my clients, they feel like if they're not thin, they don't deserve X, Y, Z. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I totally have had that kind of mentality and have felt that before. I'm sure a lot of others have too. Um, You just put something in my head that I want to just ask you because I think it could be very interesting. Um, Who do you think is more, tends to be more fat phobic, men or women? I think women. And I wrote this, I, I don't remember the exact statistic, but it is in my book that's coming out next year on intuitive eating. And it's that women very much overestimate how thin men want their women. Yes. And that that's my point. Exactly. Like, I think that we, we have this ideal that, and it's in our heads that it's this misogynistic ideal, but really it's the pressure and the judgment we are all putting on ourselves and each other. Yes, I I 100% agree. I think women invest much more in the narrative that we get in the media of and and movies like, you know, the leading lady is always thin and pretty and young, and she always gets the guy. And I think we as women internalize that message. And the dude's just watching the movie like he doesn't really get that message, but we do. And we're so hard on ourselves because women are taught. See, Okay, so I heard this statistic the other day. I'm going to completely butcher it. But it's like, if a man wants a promotion, he will apply for that promotion if he has 60% of the credentials for that promotion. A woman will only apply for uh, um, a, a promotion if she has 90 to 100% of the credentials. Men are, are taught their whole lives, grab it, get it, succeed, you know, do whatever you got to do to get to the top. And women are basically told that, they don't deserve to do that, that they kind of need to sit down and shut up and stay quiet. So we don't go for those things. So we're, I think women are, we're our worst critics. 
And we don't feel like we deserve stuff simply because we're women. And that's how we were socialized is to be the good girl and sit down. Yes. Yes. Oh, I agree. I just, I had this, this image in my head or this narrative of like, wait, we all have this um, assumption that we have to look a certain way to attract a partner or to be desirable to our partner that we already have or something like that. But I think in our heart of hearts, we all know that we're just doing this to each other, but it's so hard to break the cycle. It is. It is. It's very hard to break the cycle. And that's not to say that you don't want to, you know, feel confident and look in a way that you want to present yourself to the world. Like I'm sitting here, my makeup's done, my hair is curled, my necklace matches my shirt. Like, like I get it, you know, but it's, it's doing it in a way that doesn't feel punishing to you. I think that really is the key. Like if you want to eat healthfully, do it from a place of self-respect and wanting to feel good in your body. Don't do it because you think you're not worth living if you don't lose those last 15 pounds. That's really love, worth You just posted something today too. I loved it because it was, uh, you said, you know, if you want to eat spaghetti squash instead of pasta, you can do it, but don't make it all diety. <laughs> I was like, yes. Like, you know, yes. I know someone's going to come to me and be like, why are you eating spaghetti squash? I'm like, why not? Like, it, you know, diet culture hasn't hijacked this food and claimed it as its own. I can eat spaghetti squash. I can eat egg white. I can eat whole eggs. Cauliflower. I can eat it's whatever. I'm eating. Yeah. I mean, I can eat whatever I want in the moment and it's not pandering the diet culture. If it's just me wanting something for taste and it's not coming from a fear of weight gain. And I, you know, and I also had that little like cup on the side of um, Parmesan cheese. I know someone's going to be like, that's a beach body portion control container. What are you doing with that? I was like, I recognize that. Oh, you betcha. Yeah. And I was like, it's just like my little side dish now. Like I don't measure things in it. I just like put, cause I have like a, a thing this big of grated cheese. And I was like, I'm just going to take a little bit of that. But, but I know someone's going to be like, well, I know what that is. It's like, yeah, I used to do portion control dieting back in the day when I was still sick. So excuse me for living and not wanting to throw up plastic. <laughs> for being resourceful. Um, all yeah, right, let's dive yeah. back into Jules cover for one more and or you can tell me if you have some more that stick right out to you. But obviously, the um, most obvious on here is going to be the eat all the cookies and eggnog and still have a great body by January 1st. So let's just talk about this uh, entire marketing strategy about new year, new you, losing weight after the holidays, new resolution, that whole motif. Yeah. Um, it's, it, it poses us as a problem that needs to be fixed, right? We need to stick with the resolution and make a resolution. And we always set these huge unrealistic goals for ourselves. And then by February 1st, when we've broken them, cause they're unrealistic, we beat ourselves up and it's our fault and the cycle continues on and on and on especially with dieting and diets are designed to fail. 95% of diets fail long-term because they're so unsustainable. They're so restrictive. Um, and you know what, from an intuitive eating lens, I agree with the headline because you can eat cookies and eggnog and still have a great body by January 1st. But my definition of a great body is one that feels good. You know, like you feel good in your body. You're confident. It's not I'm going to do those, what, exercise cards or whatever. Oh, yeah. Where are they? Shape cards on page 61. <laughs> oh, my God. 
you know, we have a great body now. You don't need to do weird exercise cards to get a great body. And if you want to exercise, great. I love exercising. I love weightlifting. I love cardio. I love the challenge. It's great. I like to sweat. But I, you know, that's not what makes me have a good body and not have a good body. A good body is a good body. A good body is a body that allows me to meet my goals that I have for me and live my life in a way that I enjoy. Period. I love it. I love that. Yes. Completely agree. Um, I'm going to pull out a few more. Let's see. Do you want to, let's go. Let's Molly Sims. Molly Sims, where are you these days? This is from, yeah, where are these women? Where are these women? They're probably living their best lives and not on magazine covers anymore. Um, this is August, 2000. So this is 22 years ago. Oh God. All right. <laughs> I need a moment. Just the fact that I said August 2000 was 22 years ago. Does wow. this interview come with a drink? Because now I right? need one. Feel free. <laughs> Feel free. All right. Um, this one's a little blurry on my iPad, but let's see. We got first off main headline, peel off the pounds, 30 foods that fight fat. We have glow naturally, healthy skin secrets for barely there makeup. Okay, still relevant, I think. Um, fall style finds, flattering clothes for everybody. For that one, I would just be curious to see what it actually showed inside, right? Because that's not the worst headline. And I feel like there's a lot of content around that now as well, as long as it's done properly. Um exclusive survey make sex sizzle and love laughs I have to say like I was looking at some of the cosmopolitan covers as I was doing this research and I was like my mom let me buy this in high school <laughs> I brought this magazine on vacation with my family like what was I thinking with some of those headlines satisfy him in bed <laughs> exactly yes I was like oh my lord um okay and then the second largest headline on here Get a hot body, seven quickie toners. Mm. A hot body is only one that is toned. That is the that is the implicit narrative right there. That the hot body has to be toned in order to be hot, right? Yes, exactly. Um, and that's that creates fat phobia because if you're not toned, you clearly don't have a hot body, and you should probably just wear a sack for the rest of your life and go hide somewhere. That's Even exactly not what that's saying. Insanely low rise jeans, like Miss Molly is wearing, with the belt, like that belt portion being an inch wide. Oh man, let's no. talk about how no. I was actually thinking about that today when I was getting on my high waist shorts. I was like. I remember the days I used to wear like low rise everything. And that's just like, it's not the style. It doesn't feel comfortable when I sit down. I, and I mean, I was in a different body then I was like 15. So sure. whatever, but like, yeah. Um, the other thing about the Molly Sims cover is foods that fight fat. Yeah. You know, fight okay, fat dive into that because as who works, you know, around nutrition and food, um, how much of a fallacy is that? Or how much truth is there to that? It's very nuanced. It's, you know, there's something called the obesity paradox, which is um, they're starting to find in scientific studies that those who are slightly overweight actually have increased longevity. They actually live longer on average than people who are quote unquote normal sized, according to, you know, BMI body mass index. Mm -hmm. 
And it's a misnomer because it's, it's, they're saying slightly overweight people live longer, not necessarily obese people. But um, part of that is because they seem to be getting increased health care. They get, they get more health care and more attention put onto them by healthcare providers than people in the other categories. And also they're starting to see that it might be because that extra weight cushions joints and organs and bones as we get older. So the idea that thin equals healthy is kind of being debunked a little bit by, by these studies, which is really nice to see. Um, there is a bit of a correlation between, you know, having a higher, you know, body fat percentage and some, some health risks and complications, but we're acting like, you know, um, A equals B. Like if you have a high body fat, you know, you're going to get these diseases or you have these diseases because you have a higher body fat and it's not so black and white. There's a lot of different reasons why someone could get diseases that have nothing to do with the body fat percentage. Um, people in larger bodies sometimes don't seek health care. And that's part of the reason that they have poor health outcomes is because they're scared to go to the doctor. They don't want the speech that you need to lose weight, go on a diet, get, you know, your stomach stapled, whatever. So that's, so I think, you know, weight stigma in the medical community is part of the reason that people with higher body fat percentages have, you know, more diseases. So there's a lot more to the story, basically. Right, right. Yeah, I think that, I mean, for me, obviously, these, the early 2000s, the Y2K messaging was that there were always going to be these quick fixes for for you to start at A and get to B very quickly, right? So whether that be peeling off the pounds or seven quickie toners, there was never a sense of consistency in changing your lifestyle. And this is exactly your point, right? About diets are set up to fail because they want you to come back for their next iteration of this. They want you to buy the next book that has the 10 new tips of how to do this. So what do you think um, would be kind of the best magazine headline that would be kind of telling the truth and can kind of tell the whole story. Like pick a headline off of any of the covers that we've kind of looked at and maybe think of a way that you would just kind of change up the wording to still attract someone, but teach a more wholesome message. Um, let's see. I would, so out of the ones that we already looked at, um, I would want to do the Eva Longoria one. I think I I would just stick to the look great. I would say love instead of love your weight because everybody's so focused on the number and your weight is such a poor determinant of health and and your weight is very inconsistent. It fluctuates. So like I would get rid of that. I would say like look great and love your um love yourself or love your body. Um you know and I would make the sub headline bigger, right? Appreciate the body you have now. Um, and maybe, you know, tips to do that. I think that's really what we should be focusing on because you can't, you can't change your body. You can't change your health from a place of dissatisfaction and hatred and disrespect. Like it's, you're not going to hate yourself to a body that you love. It's impossible. That's so true. Uh, I mean, do you think that as a society, we are getting better? I do. I do. Um, 
and I can tell partially because the the diet companies and the weight loss companies are starting to adopt the verbiage of intuitive eating. They're starting to say, you know, it's a lifestyle and this isn't a diet and flexible eating, balanced eating. They're they're trying to adopt our wording to not be so obvious in what they're trying to do. But if you're trying to lose weight, if you're trying to manipulate your body, if you don't feel like you're good enough today, you're never going to get that feeling from losing weight, but they don't want you to know that. Mm. That's such an interesting way to put it too. You just use the term manipulating your body. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. And I mean, you can, I mean, I, I'm a firm believer in anybody, you know, you can override your genetics. You could get your dream body, but the thing is, um, are you willing to sustain whatever method that is for the rest of your life? Cause that's what you would have to do. Right. And is it, is it worth, like, you're not going to get what you think you are going to get. Like I, when I was a chronic dieter, disordered eater, I thought X goal weight was going to make me so happy. I was going to feel awesome and sexy and confident. And I got down to that weight and nothing changed. So I was like, mm, maybe I just need to lose more weight. And then I got down there and lo and behold, it wasn't there either. And I was super miserable when I got to my lowest weight because I finally realized this isn't going to get me it. This is going to get me dead or in hospital. It's not going to get me what I want. Happiness isn't a destination. It's, 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 it's a feeling you have to cultivate all the time in real time like mm-hmm. right now. That's something I've, I've struggled with is in my head, I have this weight that because I'm trying to stay away from the typical diet narrative of having a goal weight, I then rewrote that narrative as a happy weight, which I'm learning in the work that I'm doing. That doesn't make sense either. It's not necessarily like I can't correlate my happiness to a number on a scale because there's plenty of things day to day that I can be happy about that I'm happy with, I could reach that weight and still feel miserable or something to your point. So I think that it's definitely a tricky journey for a lot of people, especially because we have been so inundated by this kind of messaging from years and years from at least clearly 22 years of body dysmorphic kind of messaging towards ourselves, towards women. Yeah. And this is why I suggest, and even if it's not with me, I suggest everybody gets a coach because the work is so nuanced. My clients have everything from chronic illnesses to past trauma, you know, where the messaging came from, when did it start? What behaviors are they exhibiting? Um, are, you know, some of my clients are very underweight. Some of them are, are, over the tip, the norm, quote unquote, normal weight, right? They're in larger bodies, smaller bodies. Um, the traumas are different. Uh, the mindsets are different. The beliefs are different. There's so much to unpack with every individual person that can be really hard to do on your own. So I always suggest somebody, you know, get some support, get some accountability, have someone who's been there, who is an expert that can kind of help you go through the weeds. I love that. Where do you suggest that people kind of find those resources or how could they work with you directly? So if you want to work with me, I have a 10-week group coaching program that I run four times a year. So the fall cohort is going to be September 27th. That's when it starts. So if you want to jump in, if you want to um, get on the call with me and see if you'd be a good fit for the program, uh, it's freedomwithfoodandfitness.com. Or you can just DM me on Instagram at freedomwithfoodandfitness. 
And if you're just kind of maybe not ready for a program, you want to dip your toes in the water. Um, I have a podcast, Finally Free Podcasts. Other podcasts I recommend that really helped me on my journey are the Dear Body Podcast by Jesse Jean, How to Love Your Body by the Body Love Society, uh, Mary's Cup of Tea by Mary Jokowski. And then, of course, the holy grail of books is the Intuitive Eating Book or the Workbook. Both are by founders Evelyn Triboli and Elise Rush. Amazing. Well, Alana, thank you for hanging out and uh, dissecting these covers with me. It was a <laughs> wild trip down memory lane that we can, you know, repave <laughs> because that lane, yeah, we don't need that lane anymore. We're done. We're done. We can only yeah. move forward and be stronger for each other and with each other. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. We'll talk soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Be sure to rate and review the episode or better yet, do me a favor and go ahead and give this a share over on your social media. If you're on Instagram, be sure to share it in your stories and tag me at it's Casey Potts and I'll be sure to send some love right back. Stay tuned for more podcast episodes. You can also find me over on Instagram or on YouTube by searching Casey's Corner with Case. See you real soon.